are now listening to the Melanated Movement Podcast with Tess and Anne. We invite you to take a deep breath, open your mind, and prepare to go on this wild ride. Episode loading in five, four, Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Melanated Movement Podcast with Tess and Anne. Hello, hello. Hi. Of course, this is your girl Anne. I'm with Tess. Hello, ladies. And we have a very special guest today. Um, her name is Mel. And as we go through the introductions, we're going to get to know her a little bit more and explore this episode. Hi, Anne. Hey. Good to see you on the other side of the mic Ooh. on this fine evening. Hello, girl. How's it going? <laughs> it's going. <laughs> Hi, Mel. Thank you so much for it taking does. the time to come and be with us tonight. Hello, mi corazón. <laughs> This is so exciting. I'm so love. happy. I love the love. Like, as soon as we started, I was like, I'm not leaving. Oh. I'm going to move in. I'm staying. I'm not fucking leaving. I'm bringing my U-Haul right now. I'm right now. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here with y'all. Thank you so much We're for being here. We're happy to have here. you. We're happy to have you. Yes. So, ladies, you know, this episode in particular, we're going to dive into uh, healthy relationships and we've been having a few conversations off the mic and we want to definitely include our uh, audience with this that way they can join the conversation and talk back and forth with us but we're gonna let them know what we think first you ready we ready? Okay. okay. I'm going to read you something very special. So someone recommended this book to me most recently, an amazing friend online. Um, the book, it's called The Lover's Dictionary by David Levison. Have you guys heard of it? I've heard of David Levithan, yes. Yeah, have you I heard really, his book? I really, really like him. Yeah? Yes. I love it! So mm-hmm. she recommended it to me, and since then, I've been obsessed. I looked it up. I found, like, the version. I'm on Audible. I Like, girl, I'm about that life. <laughs> so <laughs> so this is the next. I'm going to read you something. It's from his book, The Lover's Dictionary, and you guys let me know what you think. So I'm going to read it to you, and we can dive into it a little bit. You ready? Ready. Let's go. Okay. I should put, like, my bedroom voice on and let... okay so the word basis a noun there has to be a moment at the beginning when you wonder whether you're in love with the person or in love with the feeling of love itself Hmm. if the moment doesn't pass that's it you're done and if the moment does pass it never goes that far it stands in the distance ready for whenever you want it back sometimes it's even there when you thought you were searching for something else like an escape route or your lover's face Mm. So that particular definition, that particular definition stuck out to me specifically for our episode. And I wanted you guys to hear it and kind of get like the vibe. You know what I mean? Tell me like if it made you feel anything, if it made you feel any type of way. And let's really dive into like what does like a healthy relationship look like for you guys? What does it feel like when you're like, okay, you know what? I love this person. I know they love me and I know I'm in a healthy space to express that to them. Oh, man, you just you just got started and went straight, straight for it, huh? We got that uh, life, girl. Okay. <laughs> Would you mind repeating that very first, like mm-hmm. the very first few words? Because I feel like that is like the core, the mother of that whole paragraph. The mother. Okay. Basis. A noun. There has to be a moment at the beginning when you wonder whether you're in love with the person or in love with the feeling of love itself. Mm. Oh, man. 
I ooh. I feel like this one, like, even deeper than, like, unhealthy or healthy, like, just on what is love. Right. Right. Is it being in love with the other person? And, and then do think there's this other part, too, that it's like, do you love who you are when you are with somebody oh, else, yeah. too? That's true. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we're about vulnerability here. <laughs> so, as you know, we're going deeper and deeper each episode about vulnerability. And we're going to tap into different definitions and different ways of looking at things. So, we're going to continue to make these um, conversations a little bit more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Dive a little bit deeper. Make you think a little bit longer. And then we can continue. I, I do want to add very quickly that this also is the perfect timing because it really aligns with teen dating, mm-hmm. uh, violence, violence awareness month. And as we're trying to impart like healthy relationships and ourselves, mm-hmm. like we also kind of touch back to when we were teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. And that very first feeling of the butterflies in the stomach, and you just really. Uh, the the crush and that the first uh, that, yes. oh my goodness mm-hmm. right and and when I think of love as a fully grown adult maybe <laughs> um, I might be an adult <laughs> might be. Who's asking. <laughs> I I really I really strive for that initial feeling again and and it sometimes mm-hmm. feels very elusive right like this is there are moments there were pure and completely foreign or virgin to our experience that no matter how close we get to it, we will never get again. Mm. It's like a first, I mean, not that I do drugs or get high, but like it's like a first high, mm-hmm. right? And from what I've learned in, in that in that realm, where you kind of chase that high, but then you don't ever quite get to that first like space again. And looking at healthy relationships and looking at love and do we love the person or do we love love itself? I, I'm going to need to sit back and ponder on that question while y'all are taking time answering <laughs> it. So, I don't know, Mel, if you want to do the honors? I think, um, like earlier I was mentioning, right, like the first boyfriend I ever had and I was in middle school in the sixth grade. And that was the first time that I actually fell in love with a person, like just for who they were and all these beautiful feelings that came with it, that I do think that as I got older, I just fell in love with that feeling. Mm. Mm. That's beautiful. And just wanting to have that feeling too, that maybe at times was even unhealthy because then I'm going to keep searching for that. Like walking into relationships, expecting, thinking that's what I'm going to get. That's the goal. That's what I want to have. And not, always looking at the person then wow that's incredible i don't know uh i don't know like when i was younger because we did have this conversation like before we started about like the first love the first time you experience this or whatever i don't what i thought was my very first love when i got older i was like no that wasn't that was definitely an infatuation i thought like my first ever girlfriend was like oh that's the love of my life i found like what what love means and as time went on i was like no that's in in reality it was it was an abusive relationship but not physically we would go back and forth because we both not i so much as her was struggling with, like, what did her sexuality look like? Like, for me, I wasn't really sure about my sexuality per se, but I'm I'm someone who is very much, I like you, I love you, that's it. You know what I mean? I don't really go too far. Like, I have to find what this and this means at that moment within this relationship. Like, I could be madly in love with you, and that's all I see. The definitions come when they come, but, like, I never really, like, 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So for that relationship, I didn't think it was the healthiest. And as time went on and I got into like adult relationships, that's when I was like, okay, this is what love looks like. This is what healthy looks like. I've experienced unhealthy love. I've experienced obsessive love. I've experienced healthy love. And like in my age now, I can see the difference and where I kind of went wrong with like, oh my God, I'm so in love with this person, blah, 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 blah. No, like you're now in love with the feeling. So I definitely, um, I understand this particular page like the basis okay what are you what are you basing your emotions off of like so do you think you've acquired the knowledge and application of healthy love at this point in your life i think because now i have a good example i can now say okay um i have to say i'm still healing from all of like toxic things that I've inherited from my past relationships and then like learning about myself and learning what um someone that's not expecting me to be obsessive looks like I'm like okay so this was not the healthiest thing to do you know what I mean like I'm growing I'm learning so I can't say that I'm like a pro at it you know I'm not like all-knowing however I am like taking the time to notice I've slowed down because before you know lesbian love is like Girl, it's fast. Like, you guys meet on Sunday. You're moved in by Tuesday type of love. So, and I did do that. I was in a, one of those U-Haul lesbian relationships. Within two weeks, old girl was in the house. You know what I mean? She, she was about to change her name to mine. Her mom was asking when we get married. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute Mr. Postman. Don't change your address yet, girl. <laughs> So I think I'm still learning. So I um, I like the fact that we're talking about the teenage love. I think it's important to definitely tap into that because this is the month to talk about teenage violence within relationships. And I do want to tap into that and really get to know what that looks like, like what that experience is. I'm not too familiar. And I want to hear, like, you know, what you guys know about it. Um, like, finding love in, like, high school is, like, mad weird. Like, when you think about it, like, were you really in love in high school? You know what I mean? Or, or was like your first love, and you like you know, or were you just deeply infatuated, or were you in love with a thought? Because there's some people who become husband and wife after being in love in high school. You know what I mean? I, I have like, three separate examples at the top of my head right now from you know classmates who met their the love of their mm-hmm. lives, and I went to an an all like an all girl school back home, and there was just like a whole thing, right? Like class would let out at like three fifteen or something like that. And let me tell you, at 3 o'clock, all the girls had, like, their mirrors out, their little, you know, cra- like, pencil and then Word. lip gloss. Because you can't wear lipstick because you have the little shiny lip gloss. You remember the, yeah. the, the yeah. ball? The yeah. ball one? Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. one that was, like, cherry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was my joy. Mm-hmm. And, like, great flavor. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. You better believe that they were making that baby hairs, like, you know, pulling into the I front. Guess. The whole nine, right? And because what happened was at 3.15, the brothers and the siblings would be be picking up their younger sister and mm. and then so they would go to the front like oh hi mm. oh, I didn't see you here like flips hair mm. by you know what I mean yeah. and, and they that's some some of them actually met that way with like the the, the brother picking up the younger sibling yeah. from the same class and you know I was like oh gee, have you met my friend and it's like oh my god your brother's cute can you introduce me mm-hmm. and it would happen and then they kept dating maybe broke up sometime in between and then went to college and then they got down they're married and have children and it's a whole crazy. thing I, I had a really really cute puppy love growing mm-hmm. um, in, in high school I was in the uh, 
10th grade and my friend knew this guy because we know that's the only way you're gonna meet guys because they're not around (laughs) um and I don't know how it happened I think he came to the school one time and he spotted me and he was like oh my god she's cute and wanted to get to know me so I was like well if he wants to get to know me he knows where to write me you know how you pretend like you're Mm -hmm. like the biggest nerd in the world but you're like but I'm cool though Mm -hmm. that was me all through high school probably still today I don't know (laughs) yeah and you know where to find me you know where to find me and like but you're gonna write me like Mm -hmm. we're not we're not doing this phone call hey Mm -hmm. what's up like you wanna wanna chill Yes, you want love powder. You want love letters. Like, yeah. So we actually team? had a notebook, and oh, my shit. friend was the medium, like to between the two of us, because mm-hmm. she lived close by. So she, we would exchange notes in the actual notebook. Mm-hmm. Like it started with letters, and then eventually he was like, "I'm gonna get us a notebook," and the notebook actually said "puppy love" on it, and we would write like oh we would put the God. date at the top. What we were up to the day, like what was I up to? Like I was text- in class for eight hours during the entire day. <laughs> it was like right? texting throughout the day. It but was online. like texting, but like, right. And then she would be like, "Oh, I guess I have to go give it to him." I'm like, "Yes, please." And it was like a whole thing, and it was so nice. And we did that for, for months before we actually spoke on the phone for the first time. And then he became my boyfriend, and we dated for a while. And I moved here, and then you know I messed things up. But you know what? The point remains that I love. <laughs> it was beautiful while it, it lasted. That's, that's what it counts. While it lasted, and and I really. That was my first time. I was like, oh, this feels nice. Mm-hmm. And it was healthy. And it was very considerate. And I just, it felt very good, right? That's good. But then everything, every, everyone else is probably trash. <laughs> <laughs> this is the standard I'm putting you at. If you do not reach this standard, you will not be counted. <laughs> what about you, Val? I miss love letters. Like, I remember Ooh. going by on campus and just, like, sliding it in the hand. Like, I wouldn't even look at them. <laughs> like a good old hand. <laughs> And keep it pushing. Oh and I wouldn't sign my name on it in case I got in the wrong hand. Big facts. You know, would be inconspicuous. Like, <laughs> you are the hamburger out here. Like. Yeah. No one will know it's me. But it was beautiful. Ooh, that's all nice. I love that. Y'all just made me think and realize that, like, my first abusive relationship, I was 17. Damn. Damn. Which is uh, teen dating violence. Mm. Yeah. I was 17. I was in high school in the Bronx. And he lived, and he was older. He wasn't in school. And he lived across the street. And um, there was a barbershop and, like, a bodega on the corner. And everybody would just hang out. And his friend worked at the school as, like, security. So he had told me, like, yo, my boy likes you. You should talk to him. Like, he's really cool. And he just kept hanging around and all this stuff. And... I began to date him, and little by little, like, all these control pieces came out, and physically abusive oh was more than, like, any type of, like, emotional type of abuse. And I remember, like, at one point of just feeling that I don't love this person. I fear this person. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm with them because I fear them, not because I love them. That's hard. And it was so clear to me. Oof. And I remember I would be in his house and, like, staring at the doorknob, like, yo, just get up and go. Mm-hmm. Like that voice in my head just saying, like, get up, go, leave. But then the thought that he'll catch me was scarier than me leaving. Oh, man. That's tough. You know? And 17. I was like, just about to say, I can't imagine what 
that what those thoughts would have been like at 17 years old because we experience fear at the same volume it's just as we get older we also have these coping things and we also have acquired knowledge or experience or things that like okay we're going to ration like rationalize this or Mm -hmm. here are resources but when you're 17 you're kind of still deprived of most of those Mm -hmm. resources and those coping things that otherwise would have been helpful so that 17 year old brain oh my goodness especially when you're not supposed to have a boyfriend (gasps) right so who you're gonna tell right and I was cutting school. <laughs> got my first. Oh my god! Legit. He was out here. He said, "Listen, oh my god, it's about to go town." You know what I'm saying? And so, so what do you want to share? What that kind of either evolved or devolved into? After that relationship, mm-hmm. um, there was still like unhealthy relationships that happened. I wasn't with anybody who was physically abusive, mm-hmm. but emotional abuse was there. Um, and I do think that my relationships as they go on, they just get healthy and healthier because I keep learning too and learning more Progress. of like who I am. Glow up. Um, so they it it becomes healthier, right? I think there's a part of me too that also becomes healthier. Mm-hmm. And going back to like when we were talking about like love and and loving love or loving the person, the part of like loving myself too, like that was never taught to me as a teen or as a kid. Mm-hmm to love myself right and to put myself first and to like intentionally love myself right like to tell myself I'm beautiful to Mm -hmm. buy myself gifts to do take me out on things like not to wait for somebody else to do that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and waiting for somebody else to do that put me in a place where they had a lot of control of me yeah you really have me thinking about what is the first healthy display of love that we experience Mm -hmm. as children Mm -hmm. and how much of an impact has that display or lack thereof has that it has played into our own mm-hmm. understanding of it and whether that delayed our own ability to implement it in our own relationships or mm-hmm. identify when it is not healthy in our relationships I'm going to piggyback on that. So, like, okay. So, you guys, you know, I'm a psych major, right? (laughs) So, right now, we're learning about Eric Erickson. He's a psychologist who came up with the psychosocial development theory. So, around the age that you're experiencing that really traumatic relationship, Mel, you're going through the stage of um, identity versus role confusion or versus confusion, right? So, at that age, is when you're building, like, your relationships, like, your regular relationships with, like, your um, your peers that started, like, when you're a little bit younger, like, in the middle school age, and as you're, like, in that 17, 18, 19 role, like, you are now creating, like, those romantic relationships. So, you are literally at the very beginning of that stage and you have to be able to go to that stage and learn what quote-unquote healthy love looks like what what you want a relationship like to you know create a vision of what that may look like for you and for your first relationship to be abusive that is a major that's a that's a major thing that really affects your development it affects like your thinking it affects the way that you trust people it affects the way that you create relationships and the fact that you're like this amazing person it also shows that you've really gone through it and you've taken the time to learn about yourself and you're able to connect with people some people get stuck in that stage to where okay i was abused at this age and i think this is love the fact that you knew like you know what i don't love this person i fear this person is 
amazing. That's beautiful. Unfortunately, people get stuck in that in that stage. They get stuck in that in that way of thinking of like, you know what? Even though he's putting his hands on me, I know he loves me. Even though he's controlling me, I feel loved and all that. And that's a very like intense space to be in and then you know like you're you're dating without your parents knowing and your parents that's the first person or the first people that you encounter your mother is your first love or your caregiver your 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 parent your whomever is your first love that's the person that's like feeding you first that's your survival and then the fact that you're thinking oh my goodness like i'm not supposed to be dating so I can't even tell my first love about this quote-unquote love i'm experiencing and you have to go through this by yourself that's like extremely intense I, I would like to, at some point, go back to that first love piece because that is the most powerful mm-hmm. tool or weapon mm-hmm. in literally framing your thoughts, your understanding, your approach, your response, mm-hmm. your everything, right? But I'm going to let you respond or you know, chime in before we kind of delve into like mother stuff. Like, who trauma, mommy <laughs> <Call> issues <laughs> at me, <laughs> at me, so I know it's real. At the Melanated Movement Podcast on <laughs> IG. Yes, it's it. I do want to say, like, through learning, right, for myself, like at a hundred percent the whole way. Like, I had no fault in that, right? Like, this person like decided to do that. And made the choice to do that to me. Um, how we learn to love, that's that's big. Mm-hmm. Because even in those relationships, right? Like me as a parent, like there's times that I've messed up. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes have thought like, oh man, this was that day. Like they're never going to forget this. I shouldn't have said that. Remember <laughs> that shit forever. Right. Like, oh, damn. <laughs> Meanwhile. <laughs> but I'm also very like with my kids of going back and apologizing and taking accountability. Oh, that's important. It's huge. And sometimes I've seen them where they're even like, no, 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 it's okay. Like, no, it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, don't even give me the space to share empathy for me mm-hmm. because I messed up. You need emotionally right now, not me. Well, I think, I think you both... I think it's beautiful that you apologize to your kids. I really like that. I like That's that. Healthy That's healthy That you're creating that space for them to now, that trust that you've created with them continues. That they will now talk to you about whatever it is, and they feel like they can trust you to discuss certain things with you. They know that when you guys go through certain issues, they can count on their mom to be like, you know what? I effed up. Or they feel now confident to apologize to you and mean it. Like, mom, this happened. I know it wasn't supposed to happen, and I'm really sorry, and I understand why I'm sorry. You're creating this space that it's absolutely pertinent to their survival. And you know what? That's gorgeous. I love, like, hearing parents say that. Like, I'm communicating with my children. I know when I'm wrong. I know I struggle that sometimes, like, sometimes... When me and my son go back, we don't go back and forth because we don't do that. <laughs> I'm not about to go back and forth with my son, however, comma. Um, when something does happen, I do take a second to think about it. And I sit him down and I, and I talk to him about it. Like, hey, this is what happened. And I, and I see where, you know, I flubbed up on this or whatever. And I want to say, you know, I see where you're coming from. And, like, really take, a, take that moment to, like, hear him. I do struggle with saying I'm sorry when it comes to major things. But him being in this stage where he is really developing how he feels um, towards certain things, how he's developing certain relationships, I think it's so important to really identify, okay, I was wrong, you were wrong, whatever it is, and dissect it. So creating that with them, that's 
that's A1. I love that. Gold star, gold star, gold star. I just want to say that the way you have brought your children up is something that I do admire mm-hmm. constantly. <laughs> you're so it's just no, it's true. I'm not not because you're, you know, my 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 soulmate or whatnot. It just really is because I see it. I see it displayed. And the fact that you take accountability and the fact that you have turned like things around because we're getting into the conversation about that first love, right? Mm-hmm. And I will just stepping into vulnerability because that's a whole series, right? <laughs> I didn't really uh, know. Um, that my mother loved me until recently. That's intense. And the way that happened was through the through a major blowout mm-hmm. where I was over it, she was over it, I was hurt, she was act you know like protecting herself is the best way I can describe it and finally I said you know I know that you don't and in a an exasperation she was like ah like you don't understand what it's like to be a single mother and feeling like the world is looking at you and the way you're raising your child and fearing that you're always gonna mess up and this is what's going to happen every single time and you cannot afford to mess up and you cannot so then if I have to be stricter on you and this is what I have to do then that's what I'm going to do and but that but do you know how many times I kept like I stayed up watching you sleep watching you breathe watching you do all of this stuff and I'm like I had no idea Mm -hmm. I really truly did not have any clue that you even felt this way about me and that conversation is happening what in year 2020 well that was last year it was like year 2021 and then I went through an entire period of my life not thinking that I wasn't enough thinking that I wasn't loved or lovable went through therapy which is something that we're going to talk about and delve a little bit more um, into later to really kind of accept certain things only to find out that you know what though a very messed up way of showing it right because there was some you know and it's culturally so it's also accepted and we can talk about that but you know for you to get physically punished Mm -hmm. and corporal punishment was a thing but then all I'm receiving on the other end is the that by you hitting me in this way using the tools that you did to hit me you must not love me because why would you hurt Mm -hmm. me so much Mm -hmm. and it turns out I was like I'm hurting you because I'm scared and I don't know how else to make sure that you are okay like so I'm going to hit you out of fear out of rage out of mostly fear really because this is how much i love you that i want to protect you but i don't know how to express it in a healthy way and so here you go and that's that really shaped i think a lot of the ways that i idealize love and look at relationships and forge my own understanding of healthy relationships and it it's a lot of work it's a lot of shadow work <laughs> and it's a lot of um, unlearning mm-hmm. and it's heavy and it's super intense. And I definitely believe that like unlearning is so much harder than learning. Oh my God. Cause yes. like mm-hmm. empty your brain, right? All mm-hmm. the stuff you learned and then put this new stuff in it and then actually apply it. Right. <laughs> so exactly. That's, it's a lot. And who mm. that mother wound? 
I know. It's, big. It, it's yeah. Yeah. That's that's a big thing. That's supposed to be your protector. And then if you're not feeling like you're loved by the person who gave you life, you're going to experience moments where you can't trust other people to handle you. You are the only person that can make certain decisions because you're the only person that can protect yourself because the person that's supposed to protect me isn't protecting me. And then to feel that way is very intense. And you know what? I actually think about that all the time when it comes to my son because I missed such like an important phase of his life when he was like first born. I was like, what if my son thinks that like I abandoned him or I left him behind or I chose other things instead of him? And he was saying like, you don't understand, like I'm a single mother trying to do this or whatever. That's something that goes to my mind all the time. That's like spot on. So you saying that and then um, it's something I think about all the time. Like, does my son feel loved? Does he feel safe? Does he trust me? Does he feel that I can protect him? Does he feel like whatever he goes through, he can come back and be like, Mom, this is what happened. I know I effed up, but I, I want you to know because I know that you're going to have my back. And I'm going to tell him, you know what? This doesn't make sense. You were wrong. However, we're going to go through it together. We're going to figure it out. My mom, my mom and I, we had a rough beginning. However, I never felt like my mom didn't love me, but it was but the Haitian culture is so rough. Like, being Haitian, we go through an aggressive upbringing because, like, look look at our culture. Like, just looking at the last, you know, month of what's been going on in Haiti, like, can you imagine what Haitian people go through when survival is number one on their list? Right. How they're treating their children, how they're treating their family members, how they're making sure that they're making it to the next level of life. So imagine how, like, intense that is. My mom and I have had very intense conversations, specifically when my son was born, so that she expressed to me that she loved me. You're, you're, become, you're a mother now. And I want you to know everything I've ever done has always been for you. And I never, I never thought that she didn't do something for me. However, the intensity that you go through as a Haitian child is something that is like otherworldly. Like, my goodness. But she's, she sat down to me and she told me, my mom is someone that I've noticed. There's certain things that she notices and she's like, I'm going to break that curse. And there's other things. She notices and she's like, eh, you know, this is who I am. You know what I mean? <laughs> but something in particular was showing love to me and my brothers. Like, there's certain things that she didn't experience as a child, and she's like, you know what? For you, I'm gonna make sure you know I love you. And then for my son, oh, he is gonna know that I love him. And I, and one thing about me, the way you treat my son will determine how I treat you. If you cannot treat my son with respect and love and decency, you and I cannot have a relationship. Because the way that you treat him is gonna reflect how you're, you're gonna treat me. And him being the purest form of love that I see, if you cannot treat him correctly, there will be no relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And the way that she shows him Everything that she said to me, I know that she's working on it. I know that she's trying mm-hmm. to show him, you can trust me. I can protect you. I love you. And that's like hearing people talk about like how they were brought up or like hearing amazing mothers like Mel like talking about their kids and how they're forming them. Ugh, it's beautiful to think that, okay, these are the next generation of kids. They're going to see things and they're going to recognize them before we recognize them. Because mm-hmm. I've been in an abusive relationship and I didn't know it was abuse until like afterwards. And I was like, oh, because I experienced the looking at the door and oh, I need to go. I experienced the, oh my God, I can't do this. I like, 
like the world is spinning i hear the screaming i'm scared blah blah, blah. i'm gonna i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave and being frozen in that space running and getting my keys and leaving and it took me it took me so long just to get up from where i was sitting so like thinking about you being 17 in that space is like unimaginable because i was in my 20s when i experienced it and i couldn't even i couldn't even grasp that i was being abused in that relationship until afterwards and i was like oh this is not this is not a healthy thing i shouldn't be fearful of my partner i shouldn't feel like i'm with them and if i'm not with them my world is going to end i used to think you know what i would die for this person i never want to think about that like if we're not the life of that situation whatever but i'm not a ride or die in that sense my guy i'm like, right but i won't die, die. <laughs> take, I, got things to, I got things to do you know what i mean but like when you have to really like i got to that point where it's like you know what i will risk it all for this person i put that person on a pedestal and it was out of fear it's oh, my goodness my goodness healthy versus unhealthy they say healthy relationships is when you have respect um, to have a healthy relationship is to have respect within the relationship between both persons. So if that person respects you, of course, they're not going to physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, knowingly abuse you. I feel like you knowingly know when you're physically abusing mm-hmm. someone. I think you can tell. But sometimes people go there. <laughs> they've, they've been, like, abused. They can't tell if they're, like, verbally abusing you because this is what they're used to. And you have to, like, you know, like, hey, this is, you're not, this is not working for me. You know my least favorite thing is when you mention it to the person and you express the fact that, hey, you know, you're being abusive verbally. And you're like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> Why would you call this abuse? <laughs> this is how I talk to you about. You're so sensitive. I can never talk to you. Never. Me? It's like, how do you tell me what I feel is abusive toward me? You don't get to determine that. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And it makes me, you just made me think so much of like um, the whole respect piece of even when that starts when we're young. That, like, my grandma used to curse me out. Like, she would get mad at me. She would just be like, estupida. <laughs> right. And when I got older, I had told her, like, yo, can I call you stupid? <laughs> right. She looked like crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want to just chunk up against her head? And she was like, no. And I was like, so why you call me stupid? And she was like, you have to respect me. I'm the parent. And I was like, but I also get respect, too. Like, I'm a person. Which Right. I'm a human. Right. And this idea of, like, I'm above you because you're a child, so mm-hmm. you have less worth, right? Less value. That's harmful. It is. Mm-hmm. That, there was this parts, too, of, like, discipline, right, that I don't consider that discipline because I think discipline is when you're trying to correct an action or behavior. Mm-hmm. Discipline to cause harm, like, that's abuse. There's, Big there's, facts. Right. Right? Like, there's a difference. Absolutely. And seeing somebody that that's supposed to love you and protect you, right? That just starts hitting me like she used to hit me. It's not funny. It's funny now. But it's funny now. Yeah, right? right? In reality, you're like traumatized <laughs> and shit. <laughs> you're still working on it in therapy. <laughs> like, yo. <laughs> you're laughing about it and being like, like, you laugh crying and shit in therapy and trying to figure out what it means. It's like, I'm fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. You know? I 
still feel that sandal up against my head from when I was fucking 12 and shit. Yo, they threw everything remote. The Xbox You're out here in the matrix and that shit trying to duck. Oh, God forbid that you duck. If you duck, you're right. being disrespectful. You're, you're gonna you're gonna duck from this sandal I'm throwing at you? No, I'm gonna stand yeah, right jungla. here. I remember like putting my hands up to <gasps> block. You put your hands to block. up to block. She didn't say you're trying to hit her? Yes. She didn't say you're trying to hit her? That's exactly what she said. She was like, you squaring up? Like, no, 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 She out here creating good space. Oh, if you're squaring up, I'm squaring up. Right, and it was like, no, I have to go to school tomorrow. Don't hit my face. Right, hit hit me below the neck. You know what I'm saying? Don't hit me on my arms. You know, my shirt is short, you did. God forbid you put your arms up. (laughs) You just like my boyfriend. I'm leaving. Oh, shit. (laughs) Damn. Put them in a trauma pile. too that I remember like I couldn't tell her what I was going through because he was gonna hit me and then I was gonna come home and tell her she was gonna hit she me too. Hit you, like oh I told you not to get a boyfriend. I'm gonna hit you because you got hit you know exactly. what I mean? Oh, like, how dare you let yourself get hit. Do you remember when you used to fall or get hurt or get into a fight and then you lose a fight and then you would get home all, all, all disheveled Girl, and then you would get hit mm-hmm. because you got into a fight and because you got hurt? <laughs> it's like why did I get burnt? Because I touched the stove and you're gonna hit me. I'm already paying the consequence of my. She's like, what you think? Like, I told you was hot. <laughs> I already told you, so I'm gonna hit you because you're not listening. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm already in pain. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna show you some new levels of pain. You know? <laughs> the irony. There's literally, like, you know what's so funny? Like, people are in their age group, the millennials. Mm-hmm. The ones that are breaking these generational curses um, for the generations behind us and so on. We're the ones that's really making skits about this shit right now. There's literally skits about how you duck the sandal and, like, your mother, your grandmother morphs into fucking a transformer. <laughs> like, you're gonna fucking block me, bro? Okay. And then she's on the phone with her friend. Oh, my God. Mel tried to hit me. I almost died. Bro, I, I almost, I can't believe she went to Meanwhile, you're in the corner scared for your fucking life because you just got the shit in of you. <laughs> she tried to hit me. She's, she's, I could have died. I could be dead right now. Come get her. Come here. Yeah, Come my, talk to her. My mom used to call my aunt after hitting us. Oh, my God. And then my aunt used to call her after hitting her kids. <laughs> and they were having, like, this competition. Like, let me tell you how to exactly. take their ass. <laughs> like, what? Someone yeah. calls you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's messed up. Mm-hmm. My mom wouldn't call anybody. My mom told nobody. My mom would keep that shit to herself. Yeah, yeah, I think my mom did the same thing. Yeah, that that was not a conversation in our family. Like we were not discussing nothing like that. It was my definitely grandma, like, though, behind closed. Oh, 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 oh. would call because whenever she would discipline my younger, like my mm-hmm. my younger sister, it's like oof. Let me I, tell you. Let me tell you about my this. You know, yeah, I just I just went in, you know, because no, you know, that, that, bit, right? Right. Right. That's it's like my, I just disciplined right. the crap out mm-hmm. of this person, and you know, you should have seen it. There is nothing to be seen right. here. Like, what, what generation is, is that? About? What generation is Grandma in? It's not. Uh, is she, it's it's is, before is she the, the baby okay boomer. A what boomer? She's pre boomer. She's just a great generation. Yeah, she's yeah, the generation she's a generation before the boomers. Yeah. She made but the boomers. Very, very, very messed up. But, you know, going tying it back to like how we learn to accept love and understand love, mm-hmm. I think that it makes, well, I speak for myself, 
I think it made me more susceptible to loving the idea of love as opposed to the person. Mm -hmm. Because when you don't have something, what do you tend to do? You tend to idealize that, right? Mm -hmm. And so you want... And so, and we, and I'm not a type major here, so I, I will probably Girl, butcher this. here. I'm in my second semester. <laughs> I, I think that there is just so much to say about how we internalize all of those experiences, which then lead us to seek that, the opposite of that. But because what we're also used to is familiar, we tend to kind of repeat very cyclical patterns mm-hmm. of abuse. Right. Because that we want the healthy stuff, and when we see the healthy, you're like, oh, what? What is this? this? What is this? Like, like, you're so weird. Oh, weird. In like three days. What? Right. Is this? I said the intensity is tomatoes. Tomatoes. I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, boom. <laughs> Those tomatoes. Those tomatoes. Yes. Boom. Let me text my ex. <laughs> Girl, listen, don't do it, sis. No, I'm not. I'm no, not. I know you're not. I'm not going to do it. Exactly. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And that's it. I did it. I hope not. <laughs> Man, but, it, but it's important for us to talk about it because then it's like for us, like, I, I didn't know what I was experiencing was abuse until afterwards. It's good that you knew when um, you were experiencing, like, you know what? This is not love. This is fear. So us creating, like, that light to um, definitely highlight this is what this looks like whomever is listening could share it whomever might be experiencing something well you know what that sounds really familiar and i'm going through this and before i thought this was okay in my relationship i thought that means like okay this person's obsessed with me they love me they think i'm so great but you know like you can't go out you can't talk to certain people right. you can't mm-hmm. wear certain things you can't do certain things oh you're talking to your mother there was this woman that i knew that like I would be if I'm on the phone with her and my mom would be legit calling me I'm, no if my mom calls me bro I'm gonna call you back because one my mom I'm gonna need to call you back just because I know the conversation's not gonna be two minutes mm-hmm. I know it's I know it's not gonna be two minutes let me call you back she's like who's on the other line I'm like my mother well um I'm more important right now I'm sorry what now excuse me right the person that gave me a life is on the other line I'm gonna call you back and then she gave me help for it like when I called her back later, she was like, "You're you. We didn't talk. We were off the phone for two hours. Were you, were you really talking to your mom? I could have been on the phone for five minutes. And what I did with my two hours is my life is my business. I called you back to say what's up, hey. And like at that point, because I'd already experienced what abuse looked like, I was like, this is the biggest red flag I've ever seen. Because no one is gonna tell me I can't talk to my mom, even if that wasn't my mom. Even if I just needed to get off the phone, because you know you're scaring me. It's a little bit crazy in here. It's a little crazy in here. <laughs> um, I'm still gonna get off the phone. I'm gonna call you when I'm ready. But like having like these signs to be like highlighted, like okay, this is what this looks like. Anything that makes you uncomfortable, anything that makes you question, anything that makes you feel like oh, I could, I'd rather be anywhere else. Anything that makes you feel like I can't not um i don't want to be around anybody else but this person all the time those are really big red flags and us being in that space of like okay we're in february it's love month or whatever and people are experiencing um quote-unquote like valentine's day just passed and during valentine's day you see the healthy love and you see the not so healthy love you know what i mean have you seen that like displayed like on social media i feel like you can tell sometimes you can see the difference well, at least I can, but I think just because I'm, like, over, like, over-analyzing shit, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. What do you think? I think I can see, I have this thing in my head because I do think that there's healthy love 
there's unhealthy and then there's also abusive of course Mm -hmm. right and i think in a healthy relationship is where like everyone's needs are being met Mm mm-hmm in an unhealthy relationship, it's almost like no one's needs are being met right. because there's this back and forth that isn't happening or sometimes it's one person or not the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In an abusive relationship, there's just one person who's getting their needs met. Right. Right? I and that's that the part, down. too, with abuse because abusive people are successful at getting what they want. That's mm-hmm. why they don't stop. Damn. That's good. Like, I like that breakdown. It's good, but it's bad. Right? It's very bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Rihanna right? and this thing. She did. <laughs> and, yeah. I'm, I'm, so you can that? spot it. So I feel like, okay, so do you think looking at healthy relationships, especially in the age of social media, and we're mm-hmm. talking about teen dating violence, and we're talking about healthy relationships, and the ability to impart and convey that to a generation that honestly feels like they kind of already know most of everything. Mm-hmm. And if we're being honest, we're probably were a little bit like that as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we know best, and so we're just going to do our thing. But in addition to that, though, I feel like there's a different exposure to, like, stuff that is going on around them, which then kind of reinforces that belief that, like, I know everything that it that there is to know. And mm-hmm. if I don't know it, I can just Google it. Right. But mm-hmm. here we are on the other side of this, trying to impart, like, hey, you know, this may not be so healthy, but they're, like... They come back at you with some sort of counter argument, and you're like, "Wait, yo, you got me stumped." Mm-hmm. Do you think relationships should be rated on a spectrum from healthy to abusive, or do you think there is like a hard category where it is healthy, unhealthy? But you know, you could you you might be able to go to healthy a little bit, and it's just straight up abusive. Like you got to get out, son. Mm-hmm. So like honestly, honestly, with like meltings, right? Is that there's no such thing as, like, a 100% healthy relationship. That's true. Because there are going to be ugly things and ugly parts of it just because we're human, right? Mm-hmm. And we're learning how to love each other in a relationship, how to share spaces with each other, how to be with each other, how to listen to you. What is your style of communication? How do I communicate back? How do I react to conflicts that occur? How is this person going to react to conflicts that occur? So I sometimes do think even, like, when I'm thinking about healthy relationships and talking about it, like, I'm also idolizing it. Mm. where that's not there are relationships and there's good relationships but I don't think nothing's 100% healthy Mm -hmm. and at the same time too like don't we get to choose what's healthy see that was where I was trying to get with you right so if because you have like complementary and and please fix my speech if I'm messing it up but you have complementary relationship and you have like supplementary relationship right when complementary relationship and then you have like the exclusionary ones where people are like just complete like complete opposites so they bicker 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 mm-hmm. all the time and then somehow they're like together 10 years down the line you're like how did you manage to do this and then you have complementary relationships where you have a, you have A, I have B, or the rest of the alphabet. So we're gonna put our letters together and we're gonna make the entire alphabet and we're gonna and it's gonna be mm-hmm. good, right? Mm-hmm. It's like very like yin and yang. Mm-hmm. And then you have supplementary, which is like you have most of one side of things and I have a little bit of that or vice versa. But and if together. we put it together, mm-hmm. we gotta we have like a little bit of picture, right. Right? right? And with that, and usually when you're looking at supplementary relationships, then you that's when you tend to see the dynamic of power and control. If the person who has most of the table does not share it in that power, doesn't mean that it won't work. It just means that that's the way that it's kind of established. So, what I was trying to get to was that how 
do we get to be on the outside of someone's relationship dynamic and determine that this is healthy or unhealthy? Because we do only get sometimes one single version of what's actually happening because we might be closer to one person than the other. Mm -hmm. I feel like we all possess unhealthy tendencies within Mm -hmm. us. And we sometimes tap into those tendencies as well Mm -hmm. and entertain some shit that may not be so good. Mm -hmm. But then we're not also talking about power and control, right? Because then we get into the abusive side. So what is healthy if not our individual interpretation of it? But also, isn't there a standard that should also exist at the same time? I don't know. I'm I'm going to get out of this chat. (laughs) (laughs) I think, right, for me, because everyone I do think has to define what healthy relationships look like. So even, like, when we've had these conversations and people go into, like, gender roles, right, and they say, like, um, a woman is not supposed to just be the only one that cooks and clean. But if she wants to cook and clean and that is her decision that she makes to do that, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think it comes to, like, when you feel that you can make decisions and not feel afraid of the other person or there's no like coercion behind the actions that you're doing too right like something's being held over your head mm-hmm. as to why i have to do these things in the relationship that can make a re- that's healthy does that make sense mm-hmm. but if i like to pick a fight every thursday night <laughs> right because i uh-huh. know that inevitably is going to lead to some bomb ass makeup sex every so then i thursday pick a fight night. every thursday night but then it just so happens that my significant other, who was down with it for the first three months of our relationship, all of a sudden it started to find it problematic. What, was it always unhealthy? Or did it become unhealthy because now they no longer want to play? I think it became unhealthy because they no longer wanted to play. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Ann? <laughs> <laughs> It's just got deep. I mean, it's been deep. It's been deep since we started this thing. Um, I think I do think healthy uh, a healthy relationship is defined by the relationship. Yes, and then there's the social um, or the collective definition of healthy because like the collective defines like healthy as respect within the relationship, um, needs being met by both persons regardless of who's putting what in. Right, there has to be like some form of balance. But there's like the stereotypical okay well a woman should do this and a man should do this okay cool but in like as times change roles have changed or what have you you ultimately define what it looks like how it feels or whatever when there's like a shift in power that's when it's like mm, you know we're leaning towards the unhealthy side we're mm-hmm. leaning towards the bullshit and then if someone's like you know what because there are some people that just like to fight like and then right. they just like to argue. But some people like that shit. Like they're like, oh, I love that my girl starts to fight with me every Thursday because I've been waiting to pull this eight inch out the closet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've been waiting to pull that. And purple. arguments are a real thing. Like there's debate, 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 debate. Right? Like mm-hmm. that happens. Like arguments, we watch it on the news channels all Fine. the time. Yes. They set it up. Right. People want to see that type of drama, and to the point that it's like almost, we're almost overstimulated that that type of relationship with others is healthy. Like we're expecting to argue with this person, that person, show them that okay, we love you because we argue with you. I went through that. Ooh. I went through. I've been in relationships where I argued, Ooh. and I've been in relationships where I didn't argue. I went from having frequent arguments 
to no arguments and then questioning the relationship because we weren't arguing. I was like, you know, we've never argued. And then, like, the other person was like, okay. <laughs> the healthy person was right? like. Right. And they're like, okay. <laughs> exactly. If there isn't, at the same time, within that relationship, we, we were unhealthy. We were unbalanced. Mm-hmm. Because we both were dealing with things separately. And we thought we were giving the other person what we thought they needed. Versus having the conversation of what do you need. So, the converse, the relationship where I was arguing all the time, it became unhealthy towards the end because we did become to argue. We weren't listening. Mm-hmm. The relationship where I wasn't arguing at all wasn't healthy because we also weren't listening. So mm-hmm. it's, again, defined by that relationship. Are you are your needs being met? Like, listen, if you want to argue with me every Thursday night, make sure you start at 7 because at 9 o'clock I'm ready to go to bed. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And, and it's, it depends on the relationship because some people like that. Some people are like, you know, my girl's feisty. I like that shit. Because whatever she's arguing about, I know she's creating that space because it's something that she subconsciously wants to bring up and I want her to argue with me. Or not necessarily argue, but like be a little feisty with me about it so I can then say something back to her and at the end of the day when we're having that pillow talk, she knows I hear her. I heard that you were being loud about the fact that I left those dishes in the sink for three days and you you made food for us or or you went to work all day and I sat on my ass and didn't do shit didn't clean up not a damn thing and you're fighting with me mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day when all of it is done and we're having that pillow talk baby I hear you when you come home tomorrow the house is going to be clean those dishes are going to be washed or I'm going to make sure that I take care of whatever that person was mentioning because that's how you create healthy relationships it's all about the way that that person is taking in and exchanging mm-hmm. so it sounds like you can start from an unhealthy place in a relationship dynamic and migrate yourself to a healthy place through healthy through communication and respect and really reinforcing that. But then it sounds like once the power dynamics begin to shift or have shifted rather, or we're always there to begin with, right? Because you have that campaign of violence like really dictate that the physical thing only needs to happen once, but then all of the other tools, like the verbal, emotional, isolation, isolation financial, right. like all of those things can still exist, right? And someone who wants to exert power and control and maintain it does not come into the relationship saying that I, this is what I'm going to do. They mm-hmm. really believe that they have it. Right. So, but it sounds like once you become aware, I guess, then of that power dynamic being the way that it is, then at that point, it's much harder to then migrate to a healthy place. Is it possible for you to go... Because I don't think we answered the question of like of whether it exists on a spectrum or whether there are like hard, defined... Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we did. I think maybe it does exist on a spectrum and it is maybe... It aligns on an individual basis with what we interpret, right, in our own relationship. And what can be considered unhealthy in one may be considered not so unhealthy in another mm-hmm. based on that interaction and that exchange. But do you think it is possible within that same relationship for someone to go from uh, power and control, abusive behavior to healthy behavior? Or is that part of the same abuse? Mm-hmm. Because then if we're talking about you know, imparting that information onto the teens as well. And if we're looking at the way that we've also looked at relationships, sometimes we really think that we are, you know, saviors and we can actually change that person. Mm-hmm. Captain you know, Hulk. Hulk 
I was about to say that, and I was like, wait, can I say that? <laughs> After we said fuck shit and all that. <laughs> Right, but think think of the whole. I think about the Hulk a lot, and I once again Marvel, and I think about <laughs> Natasha and the Hulk, and how she was like the only I one who's able. <laughs> like he's like she's like the only one who's able to bring him down, like from like the whole green monster mm-hmm. to like this like very agreeable, right? Mm-hmm. To like the agreeable like man that is okay. And then towards the end, he was like, you know, you don't want me because you know you never know when I'm gonna mm-hmm. lose control. Sure. Like I right, <laughs> and she does like at some point in the scene, like she does try to bring him down, but then he ends up getting shot, and then he stayed. Like the Hulk, right. and he actually harmed her. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, but she became very confident in her ability and knowing that I am the one person who can bring this person down mm-hmm. and calm them down. And I think that I've been guilty of it of mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, they're just rough around She's the just edges, like that. I hate and they're that. just like that. But like, I can get through to them. They can be a monster to the world, but to me, they're they're amazing. Or you know, if they are a monster, like I'll be the one to actually like bring them down and like calm them down and get them to be human again. But it is harmful mm-hmm. because this this idea that I can actually change this person for the better is putting a lot of burden on me. Mm-hmm. And when that fails, I look at myself as like, oh, I didn't succeed. Right, in like you're a failure. Correct. Mm-hmm. But and conversely, the person is never going to change because they're like, oh, yeah, like, like she understands. Like, you know, I'll just... Right, they're right? like, okay, in their ways, they don't and change. And all their needs are being met. Right? And all their needs are being because I'm... They're the, successful at Correct. I, they're having a great time. Right. The and, facts. Right. And I think that that still is the case in a lot of relationships and especially with teens where I, they're like you know they're they're, they're like they're fine they're, 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 I can change them do you know what mm-hmm. I've thought about especially with teens too is like there's also the part of what's the intent behind of what you're doing right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. because if the intent is to have control right then there's that's already starting the unhealthy and the abusive right parts. I realized like with teens and talk and me having been a teen of course right that's how I got here too but <laughs> Why is it with, like, friends, when teens have friends, and I call my friend, and my friend doesn't answer, I just assume they're busy. It's no big deal. Big facts. If my friend went to the South Florida fair and took photos with another friend and tagged them, I'm not mad. Because mm-hmm. I'm still their friend, too, and they have other friends, right? Mm-hmm. Why in a relationship is there this different treatment of somebody when you're in a romantic, intimate relationship with them? Huge facts. I never want to be that person um, that's like, you know what, I I am that person that will um, change them. I don't want that responsibility. Not at all. If I become that person that says, oh, my God, they're just like that. Fucking take me out of it because I'm having a terrible time. Those those comments bug the crap out of me. And I used to hear it all the time. Oh, this person just acts like that because they're that way. Fuck that. They're an adult. And if their action is harming another person, it's inappropriate. It's not okay. So I don't want to be the person that's enabling them. And I don't want to be the person enabling the person that's enabling them. Like, no, that's not good. That shit got layers. Big facts. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. And I don't want, I don't want to be, like, if it ever becomes that, I will leave you just so you know. Like, I will not tolerate that. It doesn't work for me. I'm not going to take care of you like you're a child. Like, you don't know what you're doing is wrong. Because ultimately, like, you have to know, like, you know what? 
something about this just doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. But you know, my person, she's okay. She knows how I am. She knows that when I get upset, I break shit, but she loves me anyway. She knows that, okay, when I get upset, I'm going to push her against the wall, but I still love her, but that's okay. She's going to stay anyway. So that relationship, okay, that person's needs are being met. Great. But that person being pushed against the wall is like, oh my God, I love them. I, you know, I'm the only person that can bring them down. Nah, bro, leave them. Abuse is abuse is abuse. You're not gonna, you're not going to be able to change that person because that person thinks that you're going to stay no matter what. That they will never change to where you think, okay, you know what, I did a good job. And the thing that really pisses me off is you'll leave, or some people will leave that abusive relationship, and that other person that was abusive towards them changes. And doesn't abuse whomever they're with in the next relationship. And now they feel some type of way. Oh, you know what? I made him great Ooh, for you. I have mm-hmm. I have stuff to say, but I think Mel has stuff to say. Because <laughs> I did. Tap in, tap in. I thought about, like, when I was going back again, and you had asked of, like, what happened in other relationships after that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just be honest and just vulnerable, right? I was abusive in my other relationships after that relationship yeah. I had. Because I now was walking into a place of, like, I'm going to hurt you before you ever get to hurt me. Right, you're protective. And I'm going to show you how much I can hurt you so you don't even think about doing it to me. Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, I started learning then about, like, what healthy relationships look like and how me doing that was harmful to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even ha- I had to stop thinking about the other person, too, but just really think about, like, I'm never going to be able to have a healthy, equitable, safe respectful loving relationship if i continue to have these behaviors too right Mm. right and like when you were saying of like the the if i push this right because with that person like i was nasty to them i would say mean things to them i wasn't physically abusive to them but i said mean things and i knew what to say Mm -hmm. right because i knew how to hurt them right and i knew that when i did that they were never gonna say or do whatever they did to me ever again right that day right Mm -hmm. so that was the control piece that that's like, a survival that's a survival piece like your your number mm-hmm. one is survival throughout mm-hmm. your life you the first thing you learn is survival from the time of birth to the time that you die you learn about survival you learn that you know what if i say this to this person and it affects them this way i know today they're not gonna put their hands on me mm-hmm. i know today they're not gonna talk to me a certain type of way i know today at this moment i'm okay you are definitely making sure that today i'm surviving to make sure that i am able to touch that doorknob and leave and that's intense like how did you know like you know what like what i'm doing to other people isn't right how did you break that i started learning really what a healthy relationship was right and i learned that through where i was at the time Mm -hmm. and when they were also naming it of like that's domestic violence Mm -hmm. like somebody isolating you and telling your friends are no good for you that was intentional and done with the purpose so that you don't have a support system to go to exactly Mm -hmm. that you're by yourself and you're isolated and i also grew up and right like watching america's funniest videos right Mm -hmm. we were watching people getting hit in the dicks and laughing And the dicks. Sorry. I just wanted to say dick. (laughs) We should get a button that's like dick, 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 dick. Like, you know, one of them things you press on the the radio stations that's like dick. (laughs) Dick. But we were watching, like, people in pain and laughing about it. Mm -hmm. Because also at some point, like, our tolerance for violence is on a spectrum. Right. It's true. So it's okay at this point that this person was skateboarding and fell and broke their knee. Broke their dick. (laughs) Their dick and their ball sacks fell out. Oh my god. (laughs) 
can't go through your partner's phone because that's not cool, right? Like, right. Respect is important. You have to respect right. your person's uh, Spec- property and right. space. Spectrum. Right, but let's laugh at the person that broke their dick on Big the skip. He went from eight inches to three, you shit. <laughs> <laughs> <A> negative two. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do want to bring up that piece that you mentioned, like the part that really upset some people is when someone was abusive to you in this relationship, but then they go into another one, mm-hmm. they no longer, they not abusive to that, to that other person. Mm-hmm. I, I personally don't think that's necessarily true. I think, I think perceptionally like that is a thing that exists because right. we don't get to be on the inside of it. I believe that redemption is possible and rehabilitation is possible, but I very much also believe that without the proper work to go into changing your behavior intentionally, you still are an abuser, bro. Mm -hmm. Big facts. So do you believe that once abuser, always an abuser, or like that whole... Like, because you say you do believe in, like, redemption and things like that. But I some do. people that, like, have been abused or whatever feel like because of, like, it, it could be unhealed trauma, too. Um, like, once they've been abused and they see that person, they still hold that trauma towards that person. That person remains their trigger. So they'll always see that person or they may see that person as an abuser throughout, you know, their life. Mm-hmm. So do you do you feel that? Like, do you feel like once an abuser, always an abuser? Like, do you think that that person could be like, oh, I relapse, I abuse now, versus like after they've experienced their redemption? I think that it depends on which person you ask. I think from the person who has been at the hands of that abuse, once an abuser, always an abuser, because there's so much work that you have to do to, you know, heal from that trauma. Maybe you left that relationship, right? right? That's um, the label that person now and, has for right. mm-hmm. I do think that from the person who chose to abuse, because it does remain a choice at the end of the day, that there that that is not always the case. I think that you can go from a relationship where you chose to abuse and exert power and control to then realizing like, oh shit, like I was toxic AF and I don't want to be that person anymore. So you take the conscious steps to no longer be that person. Mm-hmm. Um but in my mind, if I was the person at the end of that abuse, if I hear that person's name and I no longer want to give them power, I'm always going to identify them as such because that was a very painful right. memory, a very painful period of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that they both can coexist. Mm-hmm. I can both still perceive somebody to be an abuser for the rest of my life and that person no longer being right. abusive. The ab- abusive. Right. Because right. there's also that part right of who they are now right. has nothing to do with me anymore. Mm-hmm. But right. who you were to me when I knew you, was an abusive person, right. so fuck you. Right. Exactly. Right. It's That's like, the where role. are they now? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the role you've taken in my right. memory. Yeah. Right. Okay. I do think that because, like, in my situation, right, of coming out of, like, a teen dating violence relationship, mm-hmm. and my survival skills turned into unhealthy, abusive tactics and actions and behaviors in another relationship, that there came to a point where, like, talking to people and really, like, trying to learn more that I I change that. So I do mm-hmm. think that people could change, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. But they have to, that comes on my own. Like, nobody came to me and said, like, I'm not going to be with you if you keep doing this to me. 
It was mm. me realizing that I'm not even happy with who I am in this relationship. In this relationship I don't right. even love myself. Right? I agree. Mm. You're a different person. Right. You're that person that, like, you have that, again, you have that survival instinct. You're not really, like, you're not able to really be your true self. Mm-hmm. You're always on edge, always on guard. Yeah. Yeah. This was good. It was. I do have, I do want to do, like, this wrap-up thing, because I don't think you answered your question in the, from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So, are you more the person who loves the person, or are you do you more so love the idea of love? I am definitely someone who loves um, with intention at this point of my life. So uh, the idea of love for me is not it. Like, I can tell the difference now. But when I was younger, I've always been very monogamous. I've always been like, this is the person I want. And when I'm with them, it's always about them or whatever. Like, my very first, like, relationship with a woman, I was in high school. I was in the ninth grade. And the thing is, like, within that relationship, I knew that it wasn't going to work. I knew from that moment, like, because mm, the person was battling so much with, like, who they were and how they wanted to be seen, and they didn't really take me into account. So it was, we went through a lot of different things, but I never really held it against her because I knew she was figuring it out. So within that relationship, we said, okay, I love you. And I love the, I liked the idea of love within that relationship. But again, it was my very first relationship with the, but with the woman specifically, out of like right out of high school, I joined the army, had my son and like he, seeing him, I was like, you know what? I know what, I know what love is supposed to feel mm-hmm. like because with him, it was like the, the deepest love I've ever had. And I continue to feel that way. My my son is like the light of my life. I call my mom like the love of my life or my first love. I call my mother my first love because she's she's my first love. And I call my son like he is someone he's like the light of my life. He's the one who taught me what love looks like. Because no matter that's why that's why when it comes to him, it's important for us to have conversations and to create that trust. And I really value our relationship. But experiencing that type of love made me less tolerant of certain things. Like, you know what? Yeah, you know what? Like, this particular thing ain't it, sis. But I am someone who works actively in relationships. So, like, I've in a relationship. If something's not going right, okay, what is it? Let's dissect it. Is it okay? Not okay. I'm just not tolerant of, like, when disrespect gets to be a little bit too high. <laughs> when cheating, like, I don't tolerate cheating at all. But I, I can admit that I've been very tolerant in relationships. I, I let it happen because I want to work it out, whatever. But when I was younger, the idea of love was where I was at. I want, I want that feeling. So... I have to create that for myself. So the idea of love was no longer enough for me. I want I want it to be something that I can say, you know what? This love means this to me because I feel it deep in my toes. I feel that within this love, if this person were to leave me, as long as they're happy, I'm happy. Versus like, oh my God, if they leave me, I'll die. Because I used to feel that way. And like understanding what that means. So... The idea of love is no longer it for me, but I love deeply, intentionally, like with purpose. I want that to be what I continue as. And with that, it's easier for me to be, it's easier for me to let go of those I love if they are loving on themselves, if they're happy and they're going through that path. It's easier, quote unquote, for me to let go of them because when I was experiencing the idea of love, it's like, oh my God, I can't let this go because I will never experience this again. But knowing what love looks like and knowing that with time things may have to be let go of, I can no longer say that that's what I, that's what I do or that's what I go after. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> yeah. 
Mel, did you give a final answer on that one? I don't know. Did I? <laughs> we gave love. We had a lot of talks. Um, I love love. I love the idea of like experiencing that feeling, that emotion, and having mm-hmm. it reciprocated to, mm-hmm. right? But also feeling love for someone, like being in love with the person, right? Mm-hmm. Both. Like, I love that unconditional love. I've never experienced it until I saw my daughter for the first time. Mm. And she was perfect. She still is perfect. But every single thing about her was perfect. And I knew, like, I will go against the entire world mm-hmm. to keep her happy and safe. Toe to toe. Right? Like, I would chop off my arms and legs and give it to them. And I always tell her, like, like Anne was just saying, you were the first love of my life. And she eats it up and she tells me, like, can we go shopping? Can you take the first love of your life shopping? <laughs> Mom, I am the first love of your life, you know. <laughs> That's beautiful. So I think love itself is beautiful, too, right? And and that feeling. Um, but also intentionally, like, loving someone for who mm. they are, too intentionally loving that person i love love the word intentionality Mm -hmm. it's been definitely one of my most like recurring words lately thank you for answering that yes we appreciate it very much we appreciate the time that you've you know really spent with us and we've dissected into you know teenage violence um within their dating life Mm -hmm. we've dove into healthy versus unhealthy we've had a chance to cry a little bit with each other and i really appreciate that i know i have to say like this conversation was absolutely beautiful for me i'm happy we got a chance to like have a little poetry and you have a little wine um and again mel thank you again for being here with us thank you again for experiencing this with us and one more time this has been the The melanie Melanie movement Movement podcast yes with (laughs) tess and anne (laughs) last note i love you tess and anne (laughs) (laughs) Until next time.